0: Assalamu salaamu Alaikum Wa I think the viewers at home will agree that we're going through an unprecedented time in terms of discussions concerning sexual morality. We're going through an unprecedented time in terms of what is permissible sexually and how for many of us Muslims and non-Muslims there is a lot of reflection at the moment as to what should be allowed for every human being when it comes to the fulfillment of their sexual desires because when tonight we examine homosexuality in the Quran homosexuality as a discussion is a jigsaw piece in a much greater puzzle where even a non-Muslim who had certain particular ideas about sexuality say 50 years ago is constantly reflecting on whether those ideas are ideas that are archaic were they dated Should everybody just be allowed to explore their sexuality until they find their own happiness? Because while many times discussions concerning the homosexual community or for example the transgender community are discussions which relate to the religious community and their opinions We cannot deny that somebody living in the 50s and 60s in this country and living until today would say to you that, listen, even my understanding of what was acceptable and what's not has completely shifted. Even in the world of psychology, and if you go and speak to certain psychologists or people even in psychiatry, they'll say to you, that there's certain things that were disorders at one point which have now become norms for a person to say that islam or religion generally is what tends to have an issue with for example homosexuality or with a person being of a transgender disposition or orientation or lifestyle The reality is that all of us as human beings at the moment are re-questioning our norms and re-questioning our moral barometers. Because you've got one school who will say that there's a moral code that's given to us by revelation. Whether it's called the Bible or it's called the Torah or it's called the Quran. And then you've got another school that says no. Social Darwinism dictates that at the end of the day, you find your rights and wrongs. can't dictate to people what's right and wrong. If it brings you a certain amount of pleasure, the act that you're performing, fulfill it. Fulfill that moment of pleasure. See what it brings you. And then from there, you either agree that this is something that you enjoy or you completely leave it. But don't go around judging others. Now, this discussion becomes even more important because of an A couple of angles one angle is that a lot of the television shows that we enjoy watching may have people who identify themselves as gay or identify themselves as lesbian or identify themselves as bisexual or even identify themselves as uh, transgender for example and these in some cases are household names some of these shows we won't miss We actually enjoy the banter that takes place. Even though our religion we know may have certain opinions. But we've come to find a lot of this normal. If I live in Britain or I live in Canada or I live in America, I probably have worked with somebody of an identification or an orientation of same gender. And that person in all honesty may be one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. At that moment I realize, that today's discussion differentiates between the ethical attitude I have to somebody and what my religion and its laws and its verses are discussing. Because I don't want anyone who finishes the discussion of homosexuality in the Quran to go out there and become this person who slanders a group of people because of their lifestyle. At the end of the day, I may recognize that I live in a world where you find such things acceptable, but I may come from a world where I rely on scripture. And even the reliance on scripture brings about its own debate. Because you can still find imams in the Muslim world today who are gay. In America, in South Africa, I even saw a BBC documentary of an Iranian imam who was gay. And this Iranian Imam, who was gay, talked about a lot of the oppression that seemingly he had, uh, he had felt for a long time in his life. Because he had wanted to come out as, uh, as gay. But you look at certain majority Muslim countries, such as Saudi or Iran, you're not going to have anyone come out as gay. Because of the fact that a lot of the Had prescribed, you know the Hudud, most schools of Islam dictate what was dictated to the Jewish and by the Jewish community. Because in my opinion, the first scripture you have to begin with is the fact that Judaism is a religion that completely prohibits homosexuality. Normally a lot of people assume Islam because we're the ones who always get the bad press. I Rarely ever have I remembered A scene on the news where anyone mentions Judaism's complete anti-homosexuality stance. It's as if that's completely swept under the carpet. But if you read, for example, I don't know, the book of Leviticus, for example. And you're looking at the Bible. You're looking at Jewish teachings. You're looking at what's discussed in Genesis or Deuteronomy. And Leviticus in particular talks about if a man lies with another man, this is seen as a complete indecency. As in they've committed a detestable act which according to Jewish law is punishable by death. Judaism is arguably the strictest when it comes to homosexuality. Therefore, I as a Muslim when I'm discussing homosexuality in scripture, the first group of people in reality who I have to discuss is who is the Jewish community. Because the majority of the prophets went to the children of Israel. And if we say that the children of Israel, the Jewish community, majority of them will know that they have the firmest stance against homosexuality. But do they openly say it when we live in Britain? I can't remember seeing anyone in the news who's of a Jewish scholarly background where this is discussed. And you'll still find in Hollywood that there'll be people who are pro-gay rights, gay marriage and so on and so forth. And many of their best friends are Jewish. They wouldn't have many Muslim best friends because the whole idea is that Islam and the Quran in particular is the most detestable. Do you remember watching on YouTube when they go around to people And they, what they do is they make them read what the, yeah, what the... the Make them read from the Bible, but it's covered with Quran. When they read, these people are like, yeah, obviously this is the Quran. We know the Quran is one book which is extremely vile and it's got... And then they're like, no, that's actually uh, the Bible. We just put a cover of the Quran. They're like, what? Because Judaism, no one would associate with this thing. But in the Bible... Like in the Quran, the discussion of homosexuality is there in particular with the story of who? The story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. We agree? Because what is the act that is most associated with the homosexual community? Sodomy. What is the word for somebody who is gay in many of our communities? We relate him to Lut which is unfair as well because that means that none of us will name our kids Lut. Will anyone name their kid Lut? Although the Maqtel of Karbala and Imam al-Hussein السلام, is of course a maqtal written by Lut bin Yahya known as Abu Mikhnaf. The maqtal Abu Mikhnaf his name is Lut. At that time nobody would call him Lut. In our communities, we attribute, because it's in the story of Nebuchadnezzar, if you see someone, you'll, you'll say that that person, for example, if he's of a particular orientation, which in some, t- in some cases can be a bit derogatory as well. Because I do believe that this issue of homosexuality in terms of what we see in people's lives is, has got its shades of grey. I don't know what people's childhoods were like. I don't know what people go through at home. I think there's a lot of people who have been in traumatic experiences. But when we see somebody who is of the orientation of being gay, you'll call them what? Luti. Because of lot. Luti. Of course, in fiqhi terminologies, you'll see the la'it and the malut. The la'it and the malut. And for the lesbian... So you have male-male and you have the lesbian. Female-female, you'll see the word Suhaq mentioned. Okay? Are these all discussed in the Quran? Of course. Someone says, Sayyidina, even female-female? Female-female, there is an allusion to it in the Quran. Of a particular nation that was known for having female-female, a lot of lesbians together in that community. Now I know many people will say in the Quran because I know the story of Lord. What's interesting is that earlier I said that there are gay imams living. Imam in the sense of leader. There are gay imams who are living. There are certain mosques which are gay or I'm saying gay mosque they may have their own particular name I do seemingly remember in my time when I used to live in Manhattan, I remember that there was a community in Tribeca, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Tribeca is an affluent area in Manhattan. And there was a community of Muslims who used to identify as being gay. Now, when they identify, they surely have their arguments. Because... If I came today in front of all our viewers worldwide and I just said well homosexuality in the Quran discusses the story of Nabi Lut I think most of our viewers will be like "Like Sayyidina we know Nabi Lut's story discusses homosexuality. But that wouldn't be me and nor would that be the Quran. Because when a person says I'm gay and Muslim which I think many of you remember I discussed in Muharram recently. We've never ever in our upbringing when discussing homosexuality, I don't think many of us have actually looked at the story of Lot properly verse by verse. We tend to know the story and you know that something's gone wrong there and, there and there's this destruction that seemingly has happened. And that from there a lot of Islamic legal systems were formed because all these Islamic legal systems Maliki, Shafi'i, Hanbali, Ja'fari, all of them believe in the punishment of the one who is identifying as homosexual. We cannot deny this. And when I say these things, it's an academic discussion, not a discussion of us putting judgments on people. Just reality is observation of of the legal texts. There's only one school in Islam that will not put the homosexual to death in their original legal writings. Actually two, I should say. The Hanafi madhab. And the Zahiri Madhab. Okay? <coughs> Hanafis do not punish by death unless it's a repeat offenders is a is a different situation. But if you read famous you know jurists such as Jassas and others, you'll see that they believe it's unjust. That rather there could be another form of punishment, such as the Ta'zir punishment, discretionary punishment of the judge. But if someone is gay and Muslim, how do they back up their beliefs? Because the story of Nabi Lut a.s. is everywhere in the Quran. In Surah Al-Shu'ara it's there. Surah al ankabut it's there. Surah Hud it's there. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken probably in Surat Hijr I think as well. It's there. So it's all the, over the place. <laughs> and, it's like, and it's not like the Quran hasn't mentioned that they got destroyed. So how can a person live in the 21st century as, I think, a good number of Muslims are either in the closet. The terminology that is normally used when you haven't come out, you're in the, either they're in the closet or they have come out and they found their community. But they must surely have eyes of the Quran to back up their stance. So tonight what I'd like to do my dear brothers and sisters looking at homosexuality in the Quran I'd like to look at the arguments postulated by those who believe that it's a sin, punishable etc. And those who believe that no, God actually has no problem with it. Because I know some people at home will be saying, hold on a minute. How can you show in the Quran that God has no problem with it? Well let's look tonight because there are families who have either a son who is identifying themselves as gay, a daughter who identifies as lesbian and these are in our communities, by the way. And if they want to come to our mosques, by the way, we can't this, we can't not stop because this is God's house, not your house. They're coming to worship God. But they have their arguments for why they believe that it's okay for them. Quranically. Someone says Quranically? Yes, Quranically. They have their arguments. Now, let's begin with the arguments which are given by those who say that clearly the Quran, that's like majority of Muslims who say that clear the Qur'an, no difference with the Jewish community. In the same way that the Jewish community prohibits homosexuality, the Qur'an prohibits homosexuality. And they say that if you look in the Qur'an, there are a number of chapters. Let's pick one for example today, which is chapter 29. I'm going to flick through the chapters which talk of the story of Lut, but there's certain salient points we want to look at. Chapter 29, Surah Al-Ankabut, which I know many of you will be reciting sometime next week. Surah Al-Ankabut from about verse number uh, 26. We're introduced to uh, Nabi salam. Lot is seen as being the cousin of Ibrahim So their moms are sisters. Nabi Ibrahim's mom السلام, was Sarah, like his wife. And Nabi Lot's mom was called Ruqayya or Waraka. Two different names. And Nabi Lot had a sister called Sarah. She ends up marrying her first cousin Ibrahim. Okay, so Sarah, wife of Ibrahim, <coughs> is Lot's sister. And Nabi Ibrahim first cousin. Nabi Lot although seemingly not knowing Nabi Ibrahim in the first period of his life, Nabi Lot alayhi salam later on knows Nabi Ibrahim السلام, when he certainly sees him speak out against the idols. Because you know, the early years of Nabi Ibrahim, you know his dad died. He's got to go into hiding for a certain period, otherwise Nimrod's coming around. And so. What happens is that Lot is a big admirer of Ibrahim. Salam. He looks up to him. And he joins him. If Ibrahim's got to be exiled, he joins him. And when Nabi Ibrahim salam, is exiled or has to go traveling from one place to another, and one time he's got to go to Mecca, another time he's in Palestine, Nabi Lot moves to that Palestine Jordan area. This is where a lot of the discussions of Sodom and Gomorrah okay? In that area. And so when he's there, He obviously tries to be a guide to the people. But now something's happened. Something's happened which I think until about, even this country, until about 50 years ago, was always seen as being unnatural. So we're not talking Islam. This is not just a coincidence, this story. You know, the British... Community or the Americans up until 50 years ago. There's no such thing as this. There were famous actors in Hollywood Famous actors in Hollywood who could never come out You look at someone like if I'm not mistaken Rock Hudson for example couldn't even come out as gay Because it was seen as being unnatural but of course with the time that the church seemingly let everybody down in medieval Europe and the renaissance happened and the enlightenment happened and modernity came and, came and postmodernism came and postmodernism came meant that you know what we deconstruct absolutely everything now it seems that we're on a slope towards accepting this but in the Quran we're introduced to Lut what happens in the people of Lut is now these people at the beginning were known as very good people let's not let's not think that these people were bad, these people at the beginning were seen as being really good people, they were wealthy, they were generous, they were hospitable but it seems that when a drought overtakes their economy amongst them there are these murmurs that everyone used to benefit from us now everyone's exploiting us because our the drought in our community is not making us as economically prosperous and they decide that they want to take it out on those people And this is very important why I mentioned this because the argument of the people who believe you can be gay and Muslim is that they say that in the Quran, if you look at the description, the problem is with their moral behavior because greed overtakes them, because they begin to rob highway thieves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hasn't necessarily got a problem with you being in love with someone of the same gender. He has a problem with the moral vices that had overtaken them. Okay. And they come to one major point. What is that one major point? The one major point they come to is. That what takes place is because they have so much anger. Against the people who are coming past their town. Who they feel are doing better than them. They end up doing what? They end up raping them. Allah is angry with rape. This is a very important point. Look at Surah 29, verse 26. Fa'am Allahu Lut. believed in Abraham. Muhaj inni muhajirun Rabbi. I go on a journey, migrate to my Lord. Innahu al Al Hakim. He's the Almighty and He's the All Wise. It continues in verse 28 وَلُوطًا إِذْ قَالَ لِقَوْمِهِ إِنَّكُمْ لَتَأْتُونَ الْفَاحِشَةِ Verily, you commit something which is lewd Something which is a transgression This lewd act that you perform is what? Is one which none of the people of the world who've come before you ever committed. Okay? None of the people who had come in that area have committed. None of the people across the whole world have committed. We don't seem to find anywhere in the stories of prophets before Ibrahim, salam, not that there were huge generations of them, but Nuh, salam, you know, or Sheith, or these prophets, you know, and when you read about Hud and Saleh, we don't really see much. Remember, Lut and Ibrahim. Before Ibrahim, we're not talking about many prophets in the Quran, are we? Okay? He's telling them about a certain act which he finds disgusting. He finds that even Norse people weren't getting up to this. And they were pretty bad. Qabil was, you know, Cain and Abel, he was pretty bad. But even he wasn't doing this. أَإِنَّكُمْ لَتَأْتُونَ الرِّجَالَ السَّبِيلِ You proceed unto men. Simple. I don't think it can get more blatant than that. You proceed unto men. أَإِنَّكُمْ لَتَأْتُونَ الرِّجَالَ And you act as what? Those who plunder people on their journeys. Those who plunder the wayfarers. And you've also got clubs for these acts. So these clubs that you see in San Francisco for example or in New York City or for example in Soho it's not the first places. No, it's begun here in the Quran. Because what's a club in in Arabic? What would you call a a club? (laughs) Nadi. You agree? Yeah, the word Naadi. (laughs) وَتَأْتُونَ فِيهِ نَادِيكُمُ الْمُنْكَرِ Sometimes you may hear someone saying, you go to the nightclub, Malha. Sometimes you hear Nadi. So if you say football club, you normally say Nadi, that club. Yep. Here what you have is that there's some sort of gathering, some sort of assembly, some sort of club where they go and they blatantly have orgies. They all come together. And this is no different to what we saw in the last 50 years. You see, there was a rise of what was then at the time they used to call it I don't think it was necessarily right to call it that name but it was associated with the homosexual community the AIDS virus but what you found is that the homosexual community in New York and San Fran was dying one after the other and where were they all meeting they'd go to gay to go to these bathhouses, and in these bathhouses they would be engaging in the same sexual activity that is mentioned in the Quran. So look, the Quran doesn't just mention that you go to men. You meet up in assemblies, in clubs as well. You know, sometimes people say this Quran is 4,000 years back. You go Sam Fran, you'll find it. And you go Soho, you'll find it. And you'll go to New York City. Of course, a lot of these places got closed because of the spread of AIDS. A lot of these got closed. And later on, people found ways. (laughs) Because people will still find ways of going around it. Okay, I'll use contraceptives, for example. Or I'll use something that within 40 days, I make sure that HIV cannot affect me. But I have to take this pill every single day if I find out that there's a risk of unprotected sex and so on. So what we find here is, they replied by saying what? They replied. (laughs) I can't deny that their reply is pretty similar to some of the homosexual community in the world today who are not believers in God or the Day of Judgment for find all this nonsense, I'm not saying the Muslim who who identifies but rather okay bring us the punishment of your Lord, you say your Lord punishes if you're truthful where's your Lord's punishment and he actually has to ask for help because he sees that this community in terms of their stand and their belief they're not going to let go. My Lord, help me against this mischievous group of people. And then you found that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that these people, according to the Quran, no different from the Jewish belief, by the way. Just in case someone says, you Muslims are causing hate. No, no, no. Firstly, we're reading scripture. And secondly, uh, if you want, you can go and discuss with a Jewish lawyer what he thinks about homosexuality and try and take him um, on this path. And you found that the Quran says what? The Quran says, We're going to destroy the people of this town. For verily, the people of this town were unjust. There's a reply. Nabi Ibrahim tells those angels who said it to him. قَالَ إِنَّ فِيهَا لُوتَ لُوتَ is amongst them. قَالُوا نَحْنُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَنْ فِيهَا We are aware of who's in it. What are we going to do? لَنُنَجِّيَنَّهُ وَأَهْلَهُ إِلَّا مْرَأَةً We're going to save him and his family except who? His wife. كانت من الغابرين You see if Iraq, Imam says غَبْرَة and she says, (laughs) She was of those who what? Okay, she is of those who stayed behind. Let's be polite here. She is of those who stayed behind because this one highlighted to us, a prophet of God, his wife could be the biggest troublemaker. This ayah. (coughs) Because if, just because you're married to a prophet doesn't mean that you're not mischievous. Evil, conniving, destructive, dissension comes from you. This Lord's wife. Wife of a prophet of God who causes havoc in the religion. A prophet of God is trying his hardest to make sure that God's religion is spread. Who becomes his biggest enemy? His wife. His wife is the biggest trouble but Ya Allah I thought if a prophet is married to someone then they automatically have to be good but the Quran told us there are two prophets their wives were the biggest troublemakers one was Lot, and the other was Noah. their wives died as Kafir so just because you're married to a prophet doesn't mean you're a good human being okay and you see therefore that this punishment In verse 34 We're bringing upon the people of this town a punishment from heaven for what they were transgressing. So we see here a mention of what? A mention clearly that Lut and his people even though he tried to guide them they not only had Uh, male-male relations, same gender relations but they also had clubs they'd all go to so there would be more than a group of them who were engaging in relations with each other until they were destroyed. Again is this mentioned in the Quran? My dear viewers at home, Surah 11. Let's go again in the Quran. Surah 11 again discusses from about verse 77. If any of you find it please call it out. Surah 11 verse number 77 of the Quran. Okay. If you look there, again we're introduced to this uh, this news about Lut alayhi salam, cuz you know what happens when he tells them that I beg you stop performing this act men going on to men. Later it became woman going on to woman, and they literally started to mock him. And not only started to mock him if they found out that he's got guests. What were they going to do? We want those guys. Walamma ja'at rusuluna Lutan they came unto Nabi Lut He was grieved for them. He fell for them. This is a distressful, distressful day. Next verse. What were they doing? The people came rushing unto him. They were after him. They were rushing. This wasn't a case of, you know what, we just do it in the privacy of our homes. We're gonna come and raid this house. Before that, these people—what were they doing? They were doing these evil deeds. He then replies to them. This is a very interesting. Reply: ya This is very interesting. dīfī." Don't humiliate me. You know we say that. "Lā <laughs> When the Quran says Don't What? Don't disgrace me. I've got these guests and these daughters of mine, daughters either literal or daughters could be the ladies of the community. Interesting point here. If God's got a problem with them, not because He's got a problem with homosexuality but He's got a problem with rape. Would you offer your daughters to a bunch of rapists? You know these daughters of mine, if you can like, uh, I know that you guys are rapists but you can now take it out on the girls instead of the guys. Because the argument is that it's not, God doesn't have a problem with male-male as if you find love. He has a problem because of them raping. Okay, so why is Lord saying take my daughters? you got a bunch of rapists right in front of you. You say, you know, my daughters if you don't mind. If rape is the problem. He could say, listen, why don't you love my daughters? Why is he offering his daughters? He's saying because the path of male and female is what is guided by God. You see, my dear brothers and sisters, food is neutral. You either guide it to good or bad. Hence, Islam guides us. Eat this type don't eat that type. Sex is neutral you either guide it to good or bad but who defines for you good and bad in the world of sex? This is the point. <laughs> you know we're not interested in your doors. <laughs> you know exactly what we want. And then of course the angels come and they make it clear to him in verse 81 ya Lutu, inna fasri bi bi layli, illa verily we are messengers of your Lord they will never reach you go in the night a part of the night don't turn your back the only one who's going to be at the mess is who? your wife مَا what? أصابهم what will happen to her is what will happen to them. <inaudible> in the morning is when they're going to be affected <inaudible> verily the morning. So now we have these instances. Of course I can go on and on with all the references to the story of Lord. but one thing we find very clear here is that these people, where are people who Prophet Lord continuously is trying to offer ways of them leaving this. But they're adamant and they're not letting go. This raised the debate. What was the debate? The b- debate was we don't have a problem with the story of Lord. The one who says I'm a Muslim and I can be gay said I don't have a problem with the story of Lord. But you guys have missed the point. The point is that God destroyed them because they were greedy covetous wanted everything to belong to them, thieves and rape that's why God destroyed them. If you however find love, God wants you to find love and they therefore say that if you look at the verses we just looked at they are all verses that allude to rape. If you look for example in Sola 15 verse 67. Go to Surah 15 verse 67. They say in those verses in Surah Al-Hajj for example, in Surah 15 verse 67, they say those verses are verses which are talking about rape. Because if you're looking in verse number 68 you see Qala These are my guests. Do not, please do not disgrace me. Again, Here we see that they're putting the point forward that the problem that Nabi Lord has isn't that you people can't find love. It's don't rape. I've got guests, you guys want to come and rape them. There's only one problem with that argument apart from the fact that you don't normally give your daughters to rapists but there's another problem with that argument what is it and that is there's always this one line repeated continuously I'm not going to deny shows that they had moral vices like being highway thieves okay I'm not going to deny that but there was always this one line repeated by Lut salam all the time and that was relating to going to men, that's it. Going to men. In Surah 27 for example verse number 55 you go to Surah 27 verse number 55 what does Lut, salam, Nabi Lut salam say? Nabi Lut salam, in Surah 27 verse 55 repeats this line and this is repeated throughout the Qur'an when Nabi Lut says min nisa." If it was rape only he doesn't mean, need to mention nisa. If it was the problem was male male rape why is he mentioning woman? If the problem is male-male rape and male-male sexual relations are allowed why does he say, "mindun Nisa, you come unto men with lust rather than unto? Why doesn't he just say, why do you come to men with lust rather go to other men with love? Why is there a point about woman? Because he's saying that whether it's lust or it's rape whatever of that which you enjoy is unacceptable. Male for the? female in the same Surah Al-Ankabud that we started off with in Surah 29 verse 29 all that was mentioned was so someone could use that and say this is just rape means what means why are you going to men but the problem was Surah 27. Because Surah 27 says, <laughs> So therefore, when a person says, If you look in the Quran, the problem isn't male male relations. If I find a male who I love, what's the issue? No. They say the problem is only the rape. We reply by saying, Then why is he saying lines such as, You're going to men? Besides going to woman. You're going to men with lust, besides going to woman. Why mention the woman? Yeah. However, they still come back with more arguments, very interesting arguments. We've seen the Quran is talking about a nation that was destroyed because of this particular act, where Muslims and non-Muslims for a thousand no not a thousand, two thousand, not two thousand, three thousand years after this we're not going anywhere. Near publicly I'm saying, privately there are Muslims who do everything. I don't put it past the Muslim bestiality, incest. You know, human is human. If their sexual desire overtakes them, there's no limit to what they'll do. But I'm saying publicly, publicly, Muslim and non-Muslim in many cases weren't promoting these things. Someone says that I can be Muslim and homosexual. How? It says because of the Quran. Say what? The story of Lord. So forget the story of Lord. In the Quran, God shows that He wants diversity. You know, diversity? He said, yes. You know, many of the movements are always have diversity. We should be diverse in our orientations. They say the Quran says Surah 17. Verse number 17, 84, 84. Surah 17, verse number 84. Say, everyone acts according to his mold. So, God knows best who amongst you is the best onto the right path. So Allah says, everyone acts onto his mold. If you're born gay, you act gay. And if you're born heterosexual, then you're heterosexual. Baba. It has nothing to do with our sexual preferences. It's to do with us, how we purify our soul. Do we guide our soul to that which destroys it, or do we guide our soul to that which takes it away from God? This here, this idea that this is to do with what? Allah created us, the manner in which Allah creates us, it's then up to us to seek that guidance of God. And God is aware which one of us are seeking his guidance and which one to turn away. How did they interpret this? means everyone acts up to his own mold. But you have to act according to your beliefs, your preferences? We should have diversity. The Quran encourages if you enjoy this, you enjoy this, it's up to you. Everyone should act unto his own mold. Nothing to do with the tafsir of the ayah. Nothing at all. Then you have, for example, the idea that's given. This is a famous one. Very interesting. Because I many people will not think about it but they would recite it. Surah 30 verse 22 of the Quran. Go to Surah 30 verse number 22. Verse 21 actually. Let's go to verse 21. Allah has created from amongst you mates. So you say, look, Allah has created from from you from you uh, for you from yourselves mates. So those mates may either be male or they may be female. Say so here, Allah subhanahu wa taala doesn't say that He's created you that you're male and you have to marry a female. Allah subhanahu wa taala has created you. He says, amongst His signs is that He created from yourself as wajan. Okay from myself as Yajan, that there is a soul, male and a soul, female. And that that is the partners and that there are many other instances where we are told about the marriage between a male and a female. Let alone prohibition between the marriage of a male and a male or a female and a female. Then you even have arguments that there sometimes are people who may be Transgender in the Quran, they may be asexual. Asexual. You know sometimes you call, you talk in Arabic of them khannath. Someone might be asexual or someone might be very feminine. There are some people who because they're a bit camp and feminine, the self-fulfilling prophecy is you must be gay because for example you like art, you like fashion, that means you're definitely gay. So, what argument do they use? They say in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that ladies won't have to cover from someone who may be feminine or transgender because in the Quran it speaks about these people. In Surah 24, verse number 31, we find the argument is posited about the verse which we discussed last week, the verse on hijab. We all know the verses. Say to the believing woman, lower their gaze, guard their private parts, display not their adornment except what is apparent of it, draw your veils over your bosoms. and they cannot reveal their adornment, except to who? Who's the first one? To their husbands. Their fathers. Who are who? Their father-in-laws. Their sons. Okay all of these you don't have to wear hijab from. Who are they? The sons of their? stepsons. Okay. Brothers. bani ikhwanihinna. Children of brothers, okay, nephews, nieces. Oh, Benny, أخواتهن نيس. Oh, Nisa إهنن the fellow Muslim uh, woman. Oh, my ملكة إيمانهن the slave girl, okay. Oh, التابعين غير وللإربة من الرجال. Who are they? All the male servants, void of sexual stimulant. That doesn't prove homosexuality, nor does it prove transgender. This shows that in Arabia, there may have been some who were living, who were eunuchs. They would, for example, have these eunuchs who, maybe for certain purposes, they would not have their sexual stimulation that others had. And they try and point out the fact that Um Salama, wife of Rasulullah had a a, a, a eunuch servant at home or a eunuch who used to visit her by the name of Heat if I remember rightly. He'll come back to me. But the verse is saying that there are certain people who may not have that sexual feeling. And this is very interesting. Because there are people out there who are attracted to the same gender but don't act on it. Do you agree? I've met people who are attracted to the same gender but they... Don't act on it because they say that if Islam is saying that this is something which is forbidden, then I'll recognize that this is my test. Like you have your test, this is my test. That, at the end, a person may look at someone of the same gender and may find someone attractive. You might say, "Well, this guy's a good-looking guy," but doesn't mean that you have sexual feelings towards them. Nor does it mean that it is haram to say that it's haram if you then act on it. So there are certain people who say that, but then there are others who say, "You know what?" I'm actually not even sexually stimulated. There may be a category of people who are like that. It's interesting that discussions happened in Iran in the late 80s about sex operations and sex changes. Where some people who felt that they were aligned to one sex but they had certain body parts. That was a very interesting time where fatwas were given from 87 onwards if I'm not mistaken by grand scholars on this issue. And it's an interesting debate between the grand scholars today. Are you allowed to have a sex change or not? What's clear in the verse on hijab is that there's a category of people who don't have that sexual stimulation. That doesn't really relate to the homosexual community because the homosexual community in some cases is known for actually being very sexually active. And I think some of them in that community will admit that, not all. There may be some who stay with the same partner for life. So what you have here is another argument. I found one more argument which was interesting where they say that even God creates he, you may have a son, you may have a daughter, and you may have someone who cannot identify by, uh, both. But when I read the ayah, I couldn't believe that this was the tafsir of the ayah. Go to surah 42 everybody at home, surah 42 verse number 49. Surah 42 verse 49 of the Quran, it's pretty much towards the end of surah to Shura, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, I want you guys to read this, every single one of you at home and tell me, tell me what you think of this particular ayah mulku مُلْكُ wal وَالْأَرْضِ uh, The kingdom of the heavens and the earth belongs to God يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاء He creates uh, whatever He wants يَهَبُ لِمَن يَشَاءُ إِنَاثًا وَيَهَبُ لِمَن يَشَاءُ ذُكُور Allah gives to whoever He wants females and to whoever He wants what? Male أَوْ يُزَوِّجُهُمْ ذُكْرَانًا وَإِنَاثًا Now those of us who may not know Arabic too well, we look at that or he makes what? Or he makes them what? Marry for example. That someone might even think that. I read in the argument of someone who believed that homosexuality is allowed in Islam is that Allah also can make someone half male half female. They're not sure if they're male or female. Why? On the basis of this ayah. Oh, you zawujuhum the Qurana wainatha. Oh, you the means what? Allah could give you a male. Or oh, He could give you a female. Or oh, he could give you both in your family. And some people could be made to be barren, not have family, for example. But it's very interesting how you could look at the ayah and you're like, oh, you zawijum the Quran But it's talking about God giving, isn't it? So if God's giving male or we give some female, Oh you whom. pair male and female. So someone said pairing male and female is very simple. It means that you may have, you may be a male with certain feminine features. You may be a female with certain male features. No, no. Or He may give you a male and female together. He gives some of you a male. He gives some of you a female. He gives some of you a male and a female in the house. So you found that the arguments that were given are arguments still being postulated today. That Allah wants diversity. Allah wants peers to find love. And Allah says that some people you don't have to keep a hijab from. So some people are se- asexual, some people may be transgender, maybe... And now we live in a society where we don't know if you can say he or she anymore. There's all these debates Peterson has in Canada and others about how it, do you address the female pronoun and so on and so forth. We live therefore in an unprecedented time. I cannot deny that I in many cases do not know what a person goes through when they feel that they are of a particular sexual orientation. There are a lot of people out there who are of a particular sexual orientation who go through an immense difficulty. It's a trial in some cases. A trial because of family, a trial because of community, a trial because of religion. And it's not for us to close the doors on people when it comes to them finding themselves. Ethically, it's not right to go out there and hurt somebody because of their sexual orientation. But if a person wants to look at law, then there really isn't much difference between what is seen in Judaism and what's seen in Islam. Are these laws meant to still be applied today? Seemingly not. The reality is if you ask many of the grand marajah, you'll find that the hudud have limitations. These are hudud of a thousand years ago. How applicable they are today. One school and another varies. And it's not just a person say the Shia will stop hudud. For the Shia may have instances of hudud. But even amongst the Sunni world, you have the Hanafis may differ with the Shafi'is and the Malikis and Hanabila when it comes to the application of this. But the reality is that when you look in the traditions of the Ahlul Bayt, salawatullah there are discussions of people of a Homosexual orientation, who come to them and admit what they've done. And it's very interesting that the Imams always try and find a way in which the door of forgiveness is always open. And that should always be our stance as well. The reality is, studying a scripture is one thing. The trials that you face in life, whether you're a Muslim or a non-Muslim at home, is another. These people in the story of Lot were intoxicated by their act. And they went to a certain level. And there may be others who get intoxicated that much. And there may be others who do not understand the trial that they face. Thank you all for listening. We'll continue tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa wabarakatuh.